Amen. Thank you, Bob. Um, morning, everyone. Happy New Year. That's good. That's about the same as what I heard Jonah get earlier on, so I'm happy with that. Um, when I was 16, I heard a man tell a story of New Year's resolutions. He told us that his New Year's resolution had been never, ever to sin ever again. He went to bed before midnight one New Year's Eve and said for the first few hours of the day he was blameless, absolutely blameless. Nothing stopped him keeping his resolution. However, he then woke up. He woke up and he got angry at his sister for leaving the bedroom door open. He woke up and became jealous of his brother playing a new computer game. He'd made a New Year's resolution and kept it less than a day. Does this mean for us we should not make New Year's resolutions? Come on, it's the 6th of January. I imagine in the room there are people who have made a resolution and not been able to keep it. But no, it doesn't mean we shouldn't. It means it is good to have desires to live for God. And the passages we're going to look at are going to give us a framework for making God and his purposes our priority in 2019. In my story of this man and his news resolutions, I think we too have similar questions about resolutions. How can I live my best for God this year? Or maybe you're asking, how can I be part of God's people? How should I live this year in 2019? What resolutions, what priorities should I have? Well, we're going to look at a couple of passages and they're going to help us. They both involve teachers of the law coming to Jesus. And in the first, one of the teachers of the law came and he heard um, debating. He heard that Jesus was debating with Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Noticing Jesus had that gave them a good answer, he asked of them, of all the commandments, which is most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. It all begins with a question of priorities. What should I do first? Which is most important? Which goal is more important than other goals? That's what the teacher is asking of Jesus. Of all the commandments, which is most important? I'm wondering, who was this man? Was he a skeptic of Jesus? Was he a sympathizer? Does he come with a question as a test? Or is it a true inquiry? Is he genuinely wanting wisdom from God? Or is he trying to trick Jesus into trouble? What about you? What's your position towards Jesus this morning? You saw one asking this question. What should, my be, what should be my priority, Jesus, in following you? Well, Jesus is settling an issue, an argument between the Pharisees and the Sadducees about the resurrection. And when question comes up, basically with a summary of all the Bible and its teaching. Love God and love others. And as we're going to track through our time this Sunday morning, the first Sunday of the new year, we've got a chance to reflect on our lives, to develop new habits and consider implementing some new rhythms of grace. But first we need to look at how we can love God and love others. Because it doesn't come naturally to us, right? You agree with me on that? It's not, it doesn't naturally come easily to us. But this is the way we are called to live. And to get on that way, we need a gate. 
And this is the life that we want to lead. But we need to be born again into this life. And so we come to a second man, a second teacher, Nicodemus, who is offered a new start by Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get this feeling I would love to have a brand new start. I guess everyone at one time has a desire to begin again. And my desire to start again often comes during a moment of failure. When I wish, oh, I wish I could have another go at that. And in those moments, I wish it would be like a computer game where I can just control, alt, and delete, reboot, and reset. That would be great, wouldn't it? How it's gone for something, failed, but then roll back the clock and be able to go again. But life isn't like that. We don't live in a, con- a closed loop where you can restart and begin again. At central, there's a bunch of people who are about to start doing exams at our central gathering. And when I studied, I got to exam time and thought, man, I wish I'd have studied harder. Wish only I could have a brand new start. Or maybe you're reflecting on your career this morning on some of the decisions you've made and thought, oh, I wish I could just begin again. Perhaps you're thinking of your family, husbands and wives, thinking of your marriage and the mistakes perhaps you've made, thinking, oh, if only I could go back to my wedding day and begin again and have a brand new start. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Well, the encounter that Jesus has with Nicodemus, he's coming, seeking a new start. He was a man of importance, a man of status, but he was a man who was searching, searching and looking for God. Rabbi, he says to Jesus, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Are you like him this morning, seeking God? I'd encourage you that that would be your posture, seeking God this morning. A few verses to read in John 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of a Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. No one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can somebody be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Both Nicodemus and Jesus would have known much about the importance of being born into the right family. Nicodemus would have known that being a child of Abraham, being a descendant of Israel, mattered most. Yet Jesus is saying something here really different. He's saying... Now what matters isn't being born as a child of Abraham. It isn't being born as a descendant of the Jewish people. Rather, what matters is that you are born from above into a new family that God is initiating, the family of the church. All you do need to do is to be born once more, to be born again. Jesus speaks of being born of water and born of the Spirit. Born of water, he's referring to baptism in water. It's a moment where 
the church celebrates what happens in the life of a person when he or she chooses to become a follower of Jesus. They'd be baptized with Christ in his death and then they are unified with Christ in his resurrection. That's what baptism is about. And we're hoping we have many baptisms this year at Mosaic. But also, Jesus is saying people are to be born of the Spirit. And here he's referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we believe happens at the moment of conversion. And then every day there's an ongoing filling of the Spirit. Why is this important? Because it's the Holy Spirit that gives us life from within. It's like a well flowing from inside of you. How today can you have a new start with God? You can be a new start, be filled afresh through repentance and faith, saying sorry for the wrong you've done and turning around and choosing to live for Him. That's repentance. And faith, when you put your faith in Jesus, who is the gate into this new way, and the means of being born again into this new life. You are trusting his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead provides you with the grace for salvation and his power you receive for this new life you're being offered. How fantastic is that? That is great news. Thank you, those of you who are smiling at me. Or perhaps you're smiling at the children who are sitting, facing you. But this is fantastic news. This is how we can be born again. And today, maybe you've never been born again into the family of God. Well, if you want to receive that new life that Jesus is offering, you'll get an opportunity to do so later. A chance to turn to God. And if you're thinking, wow, I've got loads of questions about what you're talking about, Dan, but I'm really interested. Well, I want to invite you to Alpha. We're running an Alpha course in January. It starts on the 23rd on a Wednesday evening at St. Matthew's Community Centre. And you may have a bunch of questions. You may have a load of things you want to get off your chest. And it's an opportunity to hear what Christians believe about the meaning of life, about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But also a chance around a table with a meal to tell us your ideas and your thoughts. And we won't shoot you down. We'll be really mature about it, I hope, in discussing and, and hearing your thoughts. So this is an invitation for you to come. But it's also an invitation, if you're part of Mosaic, take one of these that you'll be sat on and invite some friends along to explore the meaning of life. So, we just talked about new life. How can we now talk about caring and nurturing the new life God has given us? What is most important, Jesus, of all the commands God has given? Mark 12, the passage we read first, most important is this one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The first thing Jesus says is hear. The word we might use is listen. And he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, where God speaks to the people of Israel and says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. It starts with listen. It starts with hear. And you... Maybe where this scripture is called the Shema. It's a Hebrew word for listen. And in traditional Jewish practice, of the practice of prayer, these lines were said in the morning and in the evening. And this prayer has become one of the most influential traditions in Jewish history. 
And it starts with listen. We have a language with many words. But often our language hasn't got enough words to explain words used in the Bible. Because this word listen is Hebrew word. It, it means listen as in hear. But it also means listen as in listen. Pay attention. It means listen also as in listen, hear and respond. So it's not passive you listening. It's active that you respond back to doing what you've heard and not just respond partly but to respond fully respond obediently in hebrew this word listen as listening and doing are the same thing listen jesus says love god and love others through this key commandment, this priority above all begins with worship. Not just singing with our lips. Worship is every aspect of the human life. Devotion to God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The number one goal of our life is not to pray every day. It's not to read the Bible in a year. It's not to memorize Bible verses every week. It's not to fast once a week. It's not to raise godly children even. These are really good goals and I do hope this year you've restarted or started some of them again. Our number one goal is to love God and all things flow from this number one goal. It's subtle what I've just said but it's vital. And I want to pause just right now. I've gone pretty fast for the First part of my talk. I want to bring you into my last week a little bit. My family and I have spent um, part, the first part of the year in a little village in North Wales called Abersock. And when the sun shines in Abersock, there aren't many places I'd rather be. Here's a little photo. This is the beach at Abersock. Nice, isn't it? It says calm, peace. It's a place where... God speaks. God speaks to me. And one morning I ran down to this beach and took this photo. The sun had just risen and I'd been praying about what I was going to say this morning. And I felt God gently whisper that this morning there would be a moment for people to recommit to God, to to give their hearts back to him and, and return. For people to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, I've said already, isn't easy. It takes commitment. It takes a choice to love God over all things. And as I saw this picture, you can actually see me taking the photo in the reflection, I think. I thought, God wants to say that this morning. God wants to give you a moment of peace Give you a moment of stillness and return to him. And later as Bob takes us into time of worship, he'll give us a chance to do that and to respond in your heart to God, to turn back to him. And you may may feel, I don't really deserve that. I don't really have a chance to. I'm not really able to. Well, this is where grace comes in. Grace, which is God's loving kindness. It's at work here. In each of our lives. It's a grace that calls us back to him when we've strayed. It's a grace that accepts us again. God accepts us through grace. God's grace enables us to put down things that we've loved more than we've loved God. Grace enables us to be free from things that we feel trapped by. 
And it leads us into a fresh new life with God. God's grace ready to work in your life if you choose it. So God says, most importantly, love me. Secondly, love others. In Deuteronomy, when this command was first given to the Israelites, the neighbor was most likely another person in the people of God. Yet Jesus redefines neighbor using the parable of the Good Samaritan so that everyone is your neighbor. Everyone, including those who you consider outsiders. Love others, both the people of God and those not yet in the people of God. What does Jesus say about loving your neighbor? Jesus doesn't say love them more than yourself. He doesn't say love them instead of yourself. Jesus says love them as yourself. In saying this, Jesus believes this is possible. He actually meant for us to hear and obey through the power of the Holy Spirit. Love others, love God. I want to get really practical now. Because in the life of Jesus, we see what's been modelled, what loving God and loving others looks like. And Jesus had this way of doing life. He had life with the Father, what you might call up. Life with others, his disciples, those he was in community with, what you might call in. And he had life out, outside, to those who didn't know God. Life in the world. And... I want to show us a, a video that's really helpful to help us understand how Jesus did loving God and loving others. And we're going to watch that now. To be a disciple means we're learning to be like Jesus, growing in his character while learning to do the things he could do, developing his competencies. It's about character and competency. To do this, we increasingly pattern our life after the life of Jesus. So one of the questions we have to ask is how Jesus would pattern his life if he had your job, if he had your personality type, your family situation, lived where you lived, or made the same amount of money that you make. When we examine the life of Jesus in the Gospels, what we see emerge is a particular way of relating to the world around him. He is very intentional in how he used his time to invest in certain kinds of relationships. It's the pattern of his whole life and ministry. Put another way, Jesus had three great loves that his entire life oriented around. In Mark 9, 2 through 29, we see Jesus go up a mountain to pray. But this wasn't abnormal for Jesus, was it? Throughout his life, he was constantly getting away from the crowds and everyone else to spend time with his first love, attending to the upward dimension of his life, his relationship with his Father. We then see him come down the mountain and run straight into the people he's investing his life into, his disciples. Jesus was never ambiguous about who his spiritual family was. In attending to the inward dimension of his life, Jesus spent more than 50% of his time with just his spiritual family and no one else. But then, he steps out into the full brokenness of the world, driving out an evil spirit from a troubled boy. Jesus attends to the outward dimension by dealing with sin head on. He's concerned with how sin affects individuals, how each person is separated from God because of their sin and doomed because of it. 
and he's concerned that when you get a bunch of sinful people together, they create systems of sin and injustice. Sin creates individual problems and communal problems. Jesus stepped out and brought hope to both. Three great loves. He was deeply connected to his father. He was constantly investing in those his father had given him to disciple and to be spiritual family with. And he entered into the brokenness of the world with good news and asked for a response individually and communally. To be disciples of Jesus, we pattern our life in the same way that Jesus did, up, in, and out. Most people are naturally good at one. They're okay at a second, and they're fairly bad at a third. But rather than simply playing to our strengths, we commit to be learners. The invitation of Jesus is to pattern our life after His, to learn His ways, and to let His power be made perfect in our weakness. But we also recognize that because a collection of Christians is the body of Jesus, we want the full expression of Jesus, not just parts of it, so that these three dimensions saturate community life as well. Whether it's a group of eight people or a group of 8,000, when a group of people is committed to truly being the body of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins stoking the fires of a red-hot center by which people can't help but be drawn into the warmth of. When we have a spiritual family learning to live into up, in, and out in a communal way, people the Lord has prepared can't help but be drawn in because this community is the gospel made visible. Up, in, and out. It's how Jesus does life, how we're encouraged to follow. And I want to finish with three um, questions, three questions to get really practical. Firstly, how can we prioritize our relationship with God this year? That's the up. Secondly, how can we prioritize church family? That's the in. And thirdly, how can we prioritize sharing Jesus with the world? That's the out. So firstly, how can we prioritize our relationship with God? First, right, so I want, I'm going to suggest there are few ideas. You won't be able to take them all. You won't be able to apply them all. But I want it, and actually you may think, you know, I'm going to do a few different things. That This morning actually has been a bit of a catalyst for you to have some reflection time. I've been thinking, oh, what, yeah, actually, what am I going to do this year that's going to help me? Some rhythms of grace to lead me toward God, loving him and loving others. So here's a few ideas. When you start the Bible in a year, it's not too late to start. Or you might think, oh, do you know what, I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to read a little bit less than what's required in the Bible in a year. But I'm going to start by reading the Bible every day. Secondly, when you take a retreat before the end of January, take some time, morning, a day, overnight, spend some time praying for yourself, praying for others. Spend some time listening. What does God want to say to you? Spend some time doing the things that bring you life into your spiritual life. For me, you see that picture when I went to the beach, running and running near the sea, it brings you loads of life. So that's part of why Emma and I were like, yeah, yeah, let's go for a few nights to North Wales at the start of January. Thirdly, commit to praying with another person once a week. That may feel quite a big ask to pray with another person once a week, but I encourage you, it will bring you loads of life. And it will bring them loads of life. And we'll see God transform lives through you, him asking for things. Last year in 2018, my wife and a friend committed to getting up early, earlier than usual once a week, meeting one of the houses and praying together. It's brought Emma much closer to God. And it's brought her, friend, her and her friend much closer together too. 
And I've been really encouraged and challenged that praying once a week with another person be a great thing for us all to do this year. Okay, that's firstly, how can we prioritize our relationship with God? I want you to show you the dials, can you self-leadership dials. We've not got time this morning, but I'm sure we'll find a way to get this information to you. They'll help you lead yourself, reflect and review. But secondly, I want to ask, how can we prioritize church family? On, um, over Christmas, I listened to a podcast which encouraged every Christian to do two basic things. Firstly, get time every day with God. We've covered that in the first section. But secondly, it was to have a meal with people you're living in community with. Have a meal together with people you're living in community with. How are you doing living life in community at Mosaic? At Mosaic, we'd encourage the church to be in three places to belong. Gather on Sundays. Well done. You've all done that today. Gather in mission groups. Often they meet throughout the week. Sometimes um, they meet on weekends. And gather in discipleship triplets. Ideally three people you share closely and vulnerably your life with. But it could be two and four can also work. So how about this for a start? Have a meal, breakfast, lunch or dinner with your discipleship triplet. Be vulnerable with those around the table. Or if you're not yet in one, then it doesn't stop you getting together with people in the church. Perhaps for lunch, people from your mission group, having a meal together. But be intentional in what your conversations are about. Jesus was. How else can you prioritise the church family? Think about start giving to the church this year, if you haven't already. Or perhaps if you've been part of us for a while and you've been giving for a while, thank you so much for doing that. However, maybe you've had a pay rise and you haven't got round to making changes to this standing order. Maybe that's something you think, ah, oh, that's what I'm going to start doing this year as a way of prioritising this family that we're in. Okay, I said that this was going to be quick. And number three, how can we prioritise sharing Jesus with the world? Um, I'm not going to say a lot about this because we're going to have plenty of time in preachers this year encouraging us to share Jesus with the world around us. However, I want to encourage you with a story about these prayer bookmarks that we gave out and launched this time last year, in which we encourage you to commit to praying every day for three friends that they would know Jesus this year. And a friend of mine started praying this year, praying sporadically, then forgot about the bookmark, until one of her, the people on her bookmark became a Christian, and then another started attending church. She added a few more names and restarted praying, and at the turn of the year, so this was just a couple, few weeks ago, she got the opportunity to sit down and pray with one of the other persons, people on her bookmark. And is about to, she's about to start working again with another old friend who was also on her bookmark at a new job. So what does my friend say about this? She says, God is so faithful. When she stopped praying, God hadn't stopped working. Secondly, it's so good to pray with other people for the people on the bookmark. And that who knows God, what God is going to do in the lives of her friends. But she's up for praying and being, being part of seeing what he'll do. So it is 2018. Uh, that was last year. It's now 2019, but these don't go away. We've still got a bunch more of these if you want to pick one of these up and start again. So let me bring us to a close. There are two clever people in the Bible who looked at today. Come to Jesus and ask him what's most important. Jesus answers, love God, love others, and be born again. So how can this year we make those a priority? 
by turning to him, being amazed by his power and love and by being filled with the Spirit. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite the band back. Say thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've been with us this morning. Thank you, Father, that as we begin to worship now, you want to encourage us to draw close to you, to lay things down that have been our number one priority ahead of you. Thank you this morning that as we worship, your grace leads us back to you. Your grace gives us a really clear picture of Jesus, how wonderful he is. And I ask that we'd sense your presence here, drawing us close, stilling our hearts, reminding us how powerful you are. Amen.